Bienvenidas. I am your host to Courageous Mujer Podcast. My name is Gladys Golinas, and I am here to support, embrace, and celebrate Latinas in the heartland. It is time to share our stories, break some barriers, and glass ceilings while we're at it. Like the song says, let's get loud. Welcome. Bienvenidas a Courageous Mujer Podcast. I am your host, Gladys Godinez, and I am here with my cousin, Catherine Arias Barrios. Catherine, welcome so much to the Courageous Mujer Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be a part of your, this journey you're taking and to be one of the first people, first people in this podcast. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yes, I'm so grateful that you're able to join and being willing to be out in the public eye. You know, it's really um, a lot to take on as Latinas and we don't see this very often. So I'm excited to have you here and let's start with something exciting. I mean, we have so much going on in in Lexington, in our lives. Give us uh, some insight as to something exciting that's happening in your life. Yeah, so something exciting in my life right now is that I'm almost done with the semester and this summer I'm looking forward to so many like good things that I have towards my career. One of them is being a mentor for the Thompson Scholars. I am a Thompson Scholar recipient. So I'm super excited to start this new journey of mentoring, mentorship. I value that a lot in my life. So I'm super excited for this new journey. That's exciting. So let's just break that down a little bit more. You, you're saying this is your, um, you're finishing up a semester. Where are you currently going to school at? The University of Nebraska at Omaha. Um, I actually have been there for a year. I started at UNK and then transferred um, last fall semester. And what's your major? What are you majoring in? Communications. This is actually my third major. So I finally made up my mind my junior year. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so interesting because, you know, I went into school thinking, um, Yolanda mentioned this in our podcast. She's mentioned some people want to go into teaching. And that's what I went to school for, to be a teacher. And then I, I soon found my love in political science. So then I also changed my major. Um, I think it was three years, four years in. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to go ahead and go this way. And it was interesting doing that. But it's, it, it's worth it if it's something you love, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I think when you're just a freshman, you're just trying to figure out your identity and you're in a new place, um, especially if you're a minority. You're, you're in this, like, unknown territory so it takes you like a couple years to figure out what direction you want to take for sure right well you talked about identity let's tap into that then courageous mujer podcast welcomes everybody and anybody and i would like to see uh would you please share with us your ethnic identity and your pronouns yes so i am a hispanic and latina um and my pronouns are she and her okay thank you all right, so let's get started. Let's get to know Catherine. Um, what is, if you're willing to share, what is your family's immigrant story? Um, you were born here in Lexington, no? Yeah, I was um, born here in Lexington, Nebraska, born and raised. I did move a couple times, but I always came back home. Uh, my parents actually met here at the Lexington High School, so they both graduated. Um, from the same high school I graduated. So that's pretty interesting. I don't think many people that have like immigrant descent, like their parents come from um, another country, um, get to experience high school. So my parents did come at a young age. 
I'm not sure about all like the history details. I just know that my grandma bought my mom when she was just finishing up her career in Guatemala. So she did get to graduate in Guatemala and she has her title, but she had to move here. So, you know, not a lot of that transfers here. Um, and then my dad, I think he was here a little longer than my mom, but they're both from Guatemala. Um, very strong families on both ends. So that's always good. <laughs> Pero what did she graduate with? What was her career? She from Guatemala, I think she was like a secretaria. So she could like literally work in any company, um, do like Excel, you know, all those like computer, like company stuff. I don't know the terminology, but, but she had like her career. And then when she came here to the U.S., um, she says that she like loved the teacher called Mrs. Coakley. I don't think she's, um, at the high school anymore, but she used to work with ELL students, I believe, or, um, and she wanted my mom to be an Aromosa, so a flight attendant. Um, and my mom would have been perfect at that. Um, but sadly, I came along and <laughs> I was like, I came in like a wrecking bar and destroyed all the plants. <laughs> but, you know, I, it wasn't like a bad thing, I don't think, because like here I am, I'm in college. Um, and my mom's still doing, like, an amazing job. She's always been a hardworking woman. Um, from one job, if she couldn't, if she didn't see, like, um, good results out of it, she was quick to find another one. Like, she never stopped working. And to support us is mainly why she did that, I'm pretty sure. But she has really good worth ethic. And just because she got pregnant at such a young age, it didn't stop her. Or despite my dad being deported, she's just kicking butt yes and there's so much to talk about just within what you just said I mean everybody's gonna be like what wait what <laughs> so I'm just gonna pause and just acknowledge how courageous your mom is and how awesome she has been to you and your family and your and your siblings um, and how much she has overcome so I'm super happy not only to know her but you as a you know outcome of the love between um, my brother my brother I <laughs> Me feel my uncle and the outcome between uh, my uncle and your mom. So I'm very, very grateful to have you as my cousin um, and to know how you have a very strong family, like you said, on both sides. Yeah, it's it's awesome to just see. And even though we're not super close with everybody, it's like when we do come together, it's like powerful. Yes. It's like we're this mighty team. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, let's talk about then you growing up. We talked a little bit about your history, your grandma, your mom. Now let's talk about you. Um, you lived here most of your life. Um, let's talk about youth growing up in Lexington as um, a young kid up to middle school here in Lexington. Yeah, so um, growing up, I remember that my dad would like love so much to go visit my teachers. and. He keeps telling me to this day that um, I, I was, I think he was the only like Hispanic parent that would come and check up, check up on their daughter. Um, from a very young age, I was like, I don't know, like super interested in learning. I still am to this day, but I don't ever see like a dull moment in my childhood besides what happened, like when my dad was deported. But up to that point, I could say it was such an innocent and pure childhood full of love. Um, and yeah, like 
That's the beautiful thing about it. I don't want to put like a like tint it with like negative negativity because I didn't see it that way. At least when I was a, a young kid, um, it was definitely hard. After my dad was deported, um, I kind of isolated myself. I was, I could say, an extroverted kid, and then I turned in, I turned introverted. I kind of like, I still had joy, but there was just like this empty like void inside of me. So it was definitely hard to push myself to do the, the stuff that I used to do growing up, whether it was academics or in sports, trying new things. I kind of just took a step back. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've touched it on it a couple of times, so I'm going to just go ahead and delve in and ask. And it, please share as much as you're comfortable with, you know, whatever it is that you choose to share with us. Um, I completely respect it and we respect it. So in regards to your dad's deportation, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Do you want to talk about anything, you know, it, be it immigration, you know, and how the impact of immigration and then ICE uh, in our small communities in rural Nebraska, or just, you know, touching your heart and saying how it did affect you in addition to that um, transition from extroverted to introverted, any other ways that it may have affected you? Yeah, so it definitely took a toll on me and my brother because we're such like close siblings in our age too. I remember that um, for a very long time, sorry, I don't want to get emotional, but I remember that night before. um, I remember that my dad got me in trouble (laughs) and I didn't want to sleep like with him. Like like, my dad would put me to sleep. My mom would put Fernando to sleep. Fernando was sleeping with my mom that night and I slept with my dad, but I didn't want to. I wanted to sleep with my mom. And so he did spank me. <laughs> so he's like, go to sleep. <laughs> like, why are you crying? And in the middle of the night, I snuck back to my mom's room. And then the next day was when he was deported. So I blamed myself for a very long time. But it was because I was a bad kid. <laughs> but obviously I wasn't a bad kid. It's just, that was like, how I thought and believed back when I was a kid that it was just because of that night before that I was being um, punished because I didn't want to sleep with my dad. And then moving forward, obviously, like, um, my brain obviously started to mature and I would see things differently. And it was like, oh, it wasn't because I was a bad kid. Like, I forgave myself. Um, I started to understand that this country runs off of like laws and certain statuses and you can only be here if you're um, at a working visa or a visiting visa or if you have a residency or if you're a citizen like I didn't know all those things growing up but I wish my dad would have been there to see me grow up like that's something that not a lot of people like know they're like, oh, just send them back. They're illegal. And it wasn't mainly because my dad was illegal. It was because of a lawyer that didn't have good worth ethic, that didn't have integrity, that wasn't committed to his job, um, that just wanted it for the money. That's how I think it was. And I still believe it to this day, which is a reason why I wanted to do law. 
and I actually presented a speech my freshman year of college. It had to be a motivational speech, and though most of my classmates were not Hispanic or any type of minority, and my professor was not a minority, he told me at the end of the class, he's like, even though you talked about deportation, you informed us as to why you're so passionate about this, mm-hmm. because some lawyers don't have great work ethic. They don't work with integrity. They're not passionate about what they do. They just follow the money sign. And for so long, that damaged my life. That made my dad miss out on my graduation, my brother's graduation, uh, my transition from elementary to middle school, from middle school to high school, to watch my first soccer game. Like, it affected me deeply, but I am the oldest, and I matured very, very quickly. My childhood went from being a seven-year-old to you got to help your mom around the house. Um, There isn't two people. There's just one parent. In so many ways, like this conversation could be talked about for hours, but I'm going to just keep it short. It affected me in every aspect of life. Um, My dad was my go-to. I was daddy's girl. Like I would cry for everything. I would want to be like hugging onto my dad's leg if I could. I would look up to him playing soccer, Tyson League, if many haven't heard about that, is super popular in Lexington. People from all over Nebraska come. And I'm so glad to also be a part of the first teams for our women's soccer league that started a couple years back. Shout out to them because I was able to get better at soccer simply because of that league. Because growing up, we didn't have Unifoot. Um, We didn't have those opportunities growing up. So... I am here today because of all that, and I'm and I don't regret it, how it like worked out. Um, it's built my story, it's built my testimony, and it's made me strong. It's made me a courageous head, just like this podcast is named. <laughs> That's right. You know what you just shared is not easy. Um, unfortunately, we see it time and time again that ICE comes to our small rural towns, and um, you know takes and separates families. And you're right. Sometimes people say, oh, well, they're illegal. They're undocumented. You know, it's the right thing to do to be able to deport them because they're here and they're not, um, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And um, I appreciate you sharing what you just shared because it does share the other side of it. I have been part of responding to different separations, both here in Lexington and, you know, in another small town where there was a whole raid of more than a hundred families. And we weren't able to see uh, the human toll of it because we were so in the movement of trying to help and organize and try to help to get legal assistance and try to help to get right legal assistance, right? Um, Because people were in the raid and just sharing some experiences with me during the raid, after the raid, immediately after the next day, there was people knocking on people's doors, sharing that they would uh, represent people, but they were notarios or they didn't have, you know, they weren't attorneys. Um, so we have seen you know, the unfortunate piece of bad attorneys in our lives and them taking our lives into play just for some cash. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know it's not easy. Um, and we know he's listening desde Guatemala and 
we also know that um, he was there, you know, and like you said, it he was there before. So uh, he has had a big impact in your life. And we we acknowledge that and more power to him for raising a courageous mujer. Yes, shout out to my dad and Guate. <laughs> and just because he's not here, it hasn't stopped him from being a hard worker. So I also look up to him and my mom. They're both hard workers. It's not just one or the other. Right. They both are. Beautiful. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about your youth. Do you want to talk a little bit about high school? You mentioned you played soccer. I mean, we can go into that because I played soccer in high school, but whatever you want to share <laughs> during your soccer, during your soccer time, during your high school time, um, you know, here in Lexington, what are your thoughts of growing up in a rural town and going to high school? Yeah. So my high school experience was kind of like a roller coaster. I think that's when things kind of took off. Um, in my life, like elementary, like I said, was good, like easy. I went to a dual language, so I forgot to mention that earlier. I went to the first dual language school in Lexington, Nebraska. So, woo <laughs> um, and yeah, and then we did that in um, middle school. So then, when I went to high school, um, I still took Spanish classes because I want to allow it to, like be used in my career like because my Spanish is a little choppy sometimes <laughs> but that was something that I enjoyed in high school um and to going back to soccer I think that was was my outlet was how I connected with like my dad um and like my family it's just something like if you're Guatemalan and you don't play soccer, like, what? how do you not kick a ball when you just come out of the womb? But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was what honestly um, motivated me each year. Um, my first year when I tried out for soccer, I was super nervous because I was like a newbie. I hadn't played in like a couple years. <laughs> so I was super, super anxious. And then I made the JV squad, so I didn't get cut. So that meant I was somewhat decent. Um, I had some of the genes passed down, I could say. <laughs> um, and then I kept doing it for the following years, and I got varsity my sophomore year. That was my first time playing varsity. So I was like, ah, I'm still a noob. Like, how did they select me? But like my grandma always said, we come from humble beginnings, so I just continued to learn more about the game. Um, I saw it more than just playing soccer. I saw it as a sisterhood. I saw it as a next, another family where we can support each other. Um, most of the team is um, Hispan Hispanic um, or Latino. So I was able to connect with some like lovely individuals that also come from Guate, from Mexico, um, pushed each other on our academics. Um, I think that kind of took the negative side of life in my experiences as a high schooler. Um, I did experience some bullying um, growing up um, from so many different people <laughs> trying to make my life um, a miserable place in high school, but I never stopped like having a smile on my face. Um, my mom and my dad, <laughs> they both... Um, Instruyeron en mí que nunca se debe de dejar de una persona, you know, like, hold your chin up, even if it's hard. Um, not everyone's going to like you, but like yourself and love yourself, and that's all you need. So 
sorry, I'm getting sentimental again. It's With, just... They're used to it. They've seen you cry. You're good. <laughs> no, but it's just, it's, sometimes it's hard to look back and see like, wow, I overcame that. And the Catherine back then was probably like thinking she couldn't make it out of such a place, you know, like in high school, it was hard because I did experience bullying uh, on social media and at school. But I did sports mainly just to like fight off my emotions and it helped me like it wasn't so much my academics like I tried my best but it was super hard just because I didn't have that leadership or that mentorship in high school so that was pretty much my high school journey all summarized like it was a pretty place when it came to sports but like in school walking through the hallways like I hated it like I didn't like to be there um, I didn't like how mean people were, the stuff that I would see, how teachers would treat students. Like, we have some amazing teachers, don't get me wrong, but there was just so much that I didn't know was real in this world. So it affected me a lot, especially my senior year. So just to wrap it up, um, I learned a lot from high school when it came to friendships, when it came to leaders and people I looked up to um, and who I wanted to become. I think... High school alone is kind of where I planted my seed of like, okay, these is, this is how adults work. This is how high schoolers work. Um, I don't want to treat others with like hatred or um, just shaming other people for how they are. Like, I want to be inclusive. I want to and just like welcome everybody and be a positive influence. Um, it was hard. I didn't make mistakes just like everybody else. But I think just that experience alone molded me and pushed me to college. I don't even think I was worthy of going to college. But here I am, <laughs> one step closer <laughs> to graduating soon. So That's right. And, you know, when we're going through it, we don't feel like we can overcome because it is so much sometimes. And at that age, you know, we're growing into our identity. Our identity socially that's where we're figuring out who we are trying to figure out where we're headed and I love that soccer was that community for you and then you know you had that ability to build those friendships with individuals there and then being able to see and being able to observe lo que estaba pasando within the school and being able to overcome because your parents were helping you and supporting you. And you had, at the very least, you had it ingrained the gate. No te ibas a dejar, right? You were going to hold up your chin. You're going to be able to smile and then continue to get through it because unfortunately we see injustices a lot. And during those, um, during a place where it's systemic during a place where we don't know how to overcome because we don't have a voice within those systems, then it, it gets harder and harder. Um, but you did, you overcame. Ya que estás in college, you're very close to graduating and that's super exciting. So let's get to college. You said you didn't think that you were going to be able to go, go to college. What, what motivated you? What inspired you to write that application? I think it was my primas, <laughs> you and um, Rose, like, had a bit, big impact in that. I remember that I reached out to you guys, and I was like, hey, I need help filling out applications. I don't know if you remember this, but, um, yeah, I don't think I, it would have been possible, like, with anyone at, at school. 
I wasn't feeling encouraged. They were like, well, your ACT is this. Um, you can settle for this. Um, you didn't do so well, like your grades, your GPA, like it's not above like the average. You want to be better than the average. So long story short, I was like, I'm going to do this. I have to. Um, I only applied for one scholarship. So whoever is listening, please apply for more because I don't, it's just luck, but I just always say it was God for me. Um, I applied for the Susan Buffett. I received it, I think in April or in May. I don't know when it, when it came out, but I applied for it the last day it was due. So don't do that. Please prepare because the amount of pressure and stress that was in, on my life and in my soul that day is not okay. <laughs> like, if I were just to tell you, I told my grandma, I'm not going to school, abuelita. Like, I have to stay home and write this paper. And she got so mad at me because I explained the whole situation. And she's like, ¿Y cómo que es el último día y usted no lo ha escrito? ¿Y cómo piensa ir al colegio? Su mamá no puede pagar por el colegio. No tenemos dinero ahorrado. And I was like, okay, but please understand. I need to stay home. So she let me stay home. Hey. And yeah. And that's how I got to college, because if it wasn't college, it was the army. But there was another plan for my life, and now I'm in college. <laughs> that's right. And I love how you said that, you know, that one, we didn't find encouragement maybe in school, but you found encouragement outside and you you were able to find that. And then in addition to the realism of those scholarship applications, you know, like you applied for one and you were worthy, even though people told you that you may not be worthy uh, to go to college. And it's, it just reminds me of me because I'm at best C plus B student. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not the most academic of like testing for me is not the best. I love reading research papers. I love reading, but if it was up to my grades, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't have graduated from college, you know, and it was because either I found it in myself that I wasn't going to get beaten, you know, or I found it in others and they motivated me and into moving forward and finding a path that was right for me. So I'm excited and happy that you chose the path that you chose. And then now you're at, you were at UNK, you transferred to UNO. Do you want to talk a little bit about what what transpired or what made you make the decision to head to UNO? I know for me at UNK, mi mama, hard guilt trip. Mija, because I had a scholarship. I had the Kiwit scholarship. And she was like, mija, no te vayas más lejos de Carney. It's too far. Y mija, no nos dejes. You know, like it was strong. Those guilt trips are real. Um, but she was like, no te vayas para allá. Because I, I had it um, in that scholarship. I was able to go to either Carney, UNL, or UNO. And I really wanted to go to UNL. That was my goal to be able to go to Lincoln. But because I, our family structure, because I, you know, I wanted to be close to my parents. And because they wanted me to be close, I stayed at Carney. Um, so tell me why that transition from UNK to UNO, which UNO I've heard great things about. So share, share, share. <laughs> yeah, so um, just like you, I had that guilt trip. Um, like, Hispanic families are very collective. 
Um, they just all want to be together. They never want to separate. And I love that about our like history and our, like our heritage that we have, our culture. But we need to grow. Like <laughs> we need to grow. So um, when I got to Susan Buffett, like just like you, I could go to any college, university, or state, um, like university in Nebraska. And I was just like, okay, I can go play soccer. Because uh, I had offers, too, to go play soccer. Um, and I was just like, no, I just want to simply focus on my academics. Like, I let soccer go. I'm like, I'm not going to be no Alex Morgan, though I wish I could be. Because she was, like, my role model. That's why my favorite number is 13. But I was like, UNK is where I have to go. 30 minutes away, if there's a family emergency, I can come back and forth. And I did. I did that a lot my freshman year, which I look back and I'm like, I should have just like allowed myself for me to have some space, but that's just how it worked out. Um, and another thing it was, was that I didn't like necessarily like how I didn't have like so much diversity around me, like how I did growing up. I'm like, where, where's mi gente? Like... I can't talk Spanish. Like, I switch from Spanish to English a lot. And, like, in my class, I couldn't do that anymore. In my classes, I couldn't do that anymore. With my professors, I couldn't do that anymore. So I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is harder than I thought. And then, luckily, my sophomore year, I was able to be a mentor at UNK to the Thompson Scholars. And I loved that job. It was, like, the best experience I was able to just ask for help in vulnerable states and ask strangers for help. Because at this point, like I was just building relationships with my scholarship directors and um, with their assistants and just like the faculty and staff. Um, they pushed me to push my limits. That was the first time I think that I could remember that someone in school, involved with school, actually believed in me. That they saw my flaws and they're like, you can sharpen them up. Like, just because you think it's impossible right now, you can get through it. Like, these people genuinely pushed me and believed in me. And I was like, I never experienced that back home at our high school, you know, with our counselors. None of that. And these people genuinely believed in me. And I brought up some of my concerns. Like, I don't think we're super inclusive on this campus. Um, and that discourages me. In my minor, I don't see many um, Latinas or Hispanics like me or African-Americans or Asian or Pacific or Native American. Like, I brought that to their attention. And they told me, this is your academics. Do you have a scholarship where you can transfer? We don't want to see you go. But if this is your choice, do it for yourself. You can push limits anywhere you go, Catherine. But just know that you can you can do it no matter your flaws. And I was like, you're right. I can do this. <laughs> and I really wanted to stay at UNK. Um, don't get me wrong. We have a, a good diversity and inclusion office. But I just continued to see some traits that I didn't necessarily agree on. Um, I was like, I need to expand my horizons. I can't just be stuck in this like little small town, used to little small town things. Like I want to go into a city. Like I'm pretty sure there's pretty cool people out there that want to fight the same fight as I do. So that's why I transferred. 
Um, I love Omaha. Sadly, it was during a pandemic transition. So I didn't get to experience or connect as much, but that's what I'm looking forward to this year. I want to make my last year of undergrad count, um, impact as many people as I can, fellowship with people, like just build these connections that are genuine and intentional. And that's what college literally has been all about. Since the first day I got onto campus, I just wanted to connect with people. And so that's where I'm at right now with college. And that's super cool. I know we did it. We heard your major. What's your minor? I don't have a minor, actually, because I am a Bachelor of Arts. Oh, yeah. My Bachelor is of Arts. Um, when you have a science, it is required to have a minor. So we can backtrack a little bit. I started as a social work major my freshman year with a minor in Spanish. And then I switched to a um, a minor of criminal justice with a minor in Spanish. I studied abroad in Spain. Um, I took lots of Spanish classes with Dr. Warren. Yes. She's my favorite. Shout out to Dr. <laughs> Warren. I love her. She's got um, a special place in all of our hearts. She's really, yes. really cool. It's such an encouraging and wonderful uh, friend and mentor to have. Yes. And I actually didn't know that you knew her. Like, <laughs> I didn't know she, like, knew, like, some of my family. And I remember she approached me one time. She's like, you know Gladys? I'm like, yeah, that's my prima. I'm like, we live in such a small world. We do. <laughs> we do. But we get to meet like-minded people. And that's how we connect and it becomes a full circle. So I'm happy that you also know her because I do know how powerful she is as a lady. And, man, she she's an encourager through and through. Uh, she's a cheerleader with pom-poms on all the time. and Siempre con, con ganas to help our community. And I love her. I love her. Shout out to Dr. Warren. <laughs> yes, shout out. I love her. Um, so she actually made an impact in, in my college like career as well. Um, her along with a couple other people that I wish I could just name, you know, and give them a shout out to. But I just appreciate those people, you know, that they don't know you, but they just simply believe in you. Like Dr. Warren like Jen Harvey, that make first generations, because I am a first generation, like college experience possible. I think without those people that are like-minded or at least like try to hear you out because I feel like students just want to be heard. Like these are my struggles. Like I'm not here like everybody else that has parents that have gone through this, you know. Right. It's it's a hard journey. It's just not about um, like finishing your assignments and completing your finals or your midterms like there's just there's more to that mm -hmm. well thank you for sharing your college journey and now you're currently just at UNO hopefully the next year then you get to be there in person y luego we have a graduation party what are your plans then you're going into communications how are we where are we headed with that what do you think I mean no pressure so if you don't <laughs> if you don't have any concrete answers that's okay too yeah, so in regards to my future and what that may look like, I am very optimistic. <laughs> there is many directions that I want to head into, whether it's law or um, psychology and counseling. Um, I have, like, so many people that I look up to, and I'm like, uh, can I just take, like, a little bit of you and a little bit of me and just put it, like, in a little shake bottle, and then boom, <laughs> it just comes out. <laughs> um, 
I do want to continue um, my education. I want to get my master's or either go to law school. I actually had a teacher in high school. He's another great person in my life who believed in me. He reached out and told me that if I'm still interested in law school, in Pep- that's in Pepperdine, Malibu, California. I don't know if you heard of that school. I have, um, I have heard of it. Yeah. He's like, I will fly you out and have my daughter give you a tour with one of her friends. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I would love to. Like, I'm not going to say no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, then again, I don't know what path I want to take. Mm-hmm. There's just so much, especially with my major of communications. I just know that I want to, like, incorporate it in every aspect of my life. Um, communications is so important. Because it's not just verbal, it's like nonverbal and understanding like a human's like way that they express themselves, whether it comes from like their facial expressions or their body language. Like I find that so interesting. Like you can call me weird, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I find interesting is that I've been told I have that face, you know, like me veo bien enojada all the time. So it's very interesting because I'm like, oh my gosh, but I'm, I'm nice. (laughs) I don't want to cuss on here but you know like you know what face I'm talking about and then I'm like, yeah I don't want to the, be rude I just know that I have that face <laughs> the, the RBF is what they call it <laughs> yes that <laughs> yeah and it's just interesting like people perceive you just based off your face mm-hmm. like your expression you're like that's you relaxed like me too like I could be like <laughs> and I'm not mad <laughs> like I'm simply like at a calm state right like there's no reason for me to be like ah, like you know <laughs> bouncing off the walls mm-hmm. but I just find that super interesting and I want to incorporate it in like even in companies like I wish I could come up with like a manual and like present it and go to companies and be like hey can you come during our training sessions and um with our new employees or like annual meetings and just present this like technology and a presentation to them. Like that would be my dream. And then eventually write a book um, that's towards like the younger generation, um, especially minorities that don't have those resources and tools. I want to give back to my community. Um, there's just so much like I can, <laughs> I could like not name it all, but <laughs> Big time yeah. dreaming. That's beautiful. Because yeah. I that's what yeah. I do too. So you're you're in the right place. This is where you belong. <laughs> yeah. And something that definitely helps me with that, like to break things down, is I actually have a vision board in my room and I write little notes, like affirmations, and I post them on my um wall and I look at them and I read them or I print stuff out that I see that's encouraging. Um just to remind myself that I'm one step closer to each goal that I have in my life. And let's tap into that then. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about mental health. Let's bring that up. What What would you like to talk to, to Latinas that are out there listening? Yeah, so my biggest thing is that in a household that is Hispanic or Latino, mental health isn't very much spoken about. Um, I know growing up I could say that I was, like, indirectly told to suppress my feelings. You know, like, don't cry. You're a little girl. Don't cry. Or even with my brother, they'd be like, 
you're a, a big boy. Don't cry like a little girl. And I'd be like, what are you saying? You know? <laughs> but as I grew up, I understand that a lot of it has to do with like machismo and in the households, which I am, it just grinds my gears <laughs> when I say that word. But um, I just want to encourage like Latinas that we sadly have to be the ones to learn like about mental health and how to incorporate it in our lives. And my biggest encouragement is to take it day by day, mm-hmm. to do the little things that matter to you. Whether it is that you got out of bed, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, like yes. um, to say positive affirmations. I know we've spoken before in previous conversations. You and your kids do those positive affirmations. And it's like people think it's crazy. You even said it was crazy. I think one of your podcasts, you might have said that. I was like, yeah, it does sound a little crazy at first. But like that does so much for your self-esteem and your identity and you are your own encourager. When not everyone, like people aren't there that are like your support system. Because sometimes it's like that. That's like just the truth. No one's like at your house, like, come on, Gladys. Es hora de levantarse. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's go do the tasks of the day. Like, no, <laughs> it's you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I encourage all Latinas in Nebraska. It's like we get to write this story for ourselves and Many of us didn't grow up with that mental health awareness, and it's possible. Like, I did counseling for the first time. I thought it was weird as heck. Like, I was like, what is this counseling stuff? <laughs> like, and, like, they're, like, analyzing you, and, like, they, like, pause, make you pause, and they're like, so this is what, you, what I'm identifying right now, and, like, all these, like, fancy terminologies. And then I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> don't tell me this stuff about myself hey all defensive <laughs> but it's an interesting process you know just to know that mental health is real like if you're feeling sad it's probably because you're depressed you know or something um you don't have to be like ashamed of it it's you it's just this chapter in your life that you're going through and I I want to say sorry on the behalf of like our parents and our grandparents and the generations before us that they weren't raised to think this way. But we get the chance to raise our kids this way and continue our lives this way to value our emotions and our mental health. Though it's not visible like a gripe that I have right now, but it's internal, you know, and it exists and it's there. So I just want to leave those encouraging words for them to use and utilize for their future. And I love the steps that you provide for us. You know, in addition to an affirmation, what can what else can I do? Oh, well, a vision board. And what does that entail? You know, and those affirmations go on that vision board and Google vision board and figure out, you know, what that looks like for you all because it does uh, it does help with future thinking. Okay, maybe I'm not there now, but what am I working towards? And that definitely helps out. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you. Well, moving forward then, we talked about mental health. Let's just close this up with maybe some inspiration or a conversation towards uh, younger Latinas or Latinas out in Nebraska that may feel disconnected, you know, like we've talked about. And we're developing this community and hopefully building a community here. What are your what are your thoughts or final thoughts in regards to our Latinas out in Nebraska that may feel alone? Well, 
first and foremost, I want to tell them that they're not alone, that there is a mighty team of Latinas all over Nebraska. And besides Nebraska, the United States, like we're on the come up. Okay. Like we are not alone. And I know how that feels. Um, coming, especially from a rural town, like a small town, Lexi's like small, but it's not small, but, but I understand because I did actually get to experience living in a smaller town called Sargent, Nebraska. So I have a little taste, you could say, an experience of what that's like. But I just encourage them to simply embrace their culture. You don't have to dial it down um, because you're Hispanic or you're brown-skinned, like they like to call us, you know, like embrace your skin that you're in. You're beautiful, whether you have straight hair, where you're, whether you're lighter complex, like have curly curls like me, you can't really see them, but um, like be you. And this culture is so beautiful. Instead of erasing it from history, let it be a part of history. Um, we are united by all our beautiful flags and cultures and like the nonprofit here in, um, Lexington is called United by Culture. Uh, we should be united by culture everywhere in Nebraska, not just here in Lexington. Um, so I want to leave that last remark for all our Latinas in Nebraska. That's right. And we're doing it, right? We keep doing it. I, I love it because we are everywhere. Um, perfect. So Catherine, Prima, with Gripe and everything, you have been here with me. I appreciate you. But I also know that other Latinas are going to say, okay, so where do I follow Catherine's path? How do I get to know Catherine? Or how can I reach her? How can individuals reach out to you for further conversation or tal vez for mentorship opportunities? Or how do you even tap into a mentor? Uh, you know, those are big conversations that we are so scared to talk about because we don't even know where to start. What, where can we reach you? So I have a Facebook and an Instagram, and it's Catherine Arias Barrios. Um, I'm sure that my name will be somewhere in the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Facebook. Um, you can find me there. And then through email, I would find appropriate. If it's like something serious and professional, I prefer like an email. Um, and that is just Catherine um, S. Arias Barrios at gmail.com. So I'm sure you can find it in the description or something. <laughs> we'll make sure to share it on our anchor. Yeah. And once you click on the link, you'll see all of our show notes. Perfect. So that's great to yeah. be able to reach out to you again. Prima, I appreciate you uh, both for being so courageous and for being an inspiration for younger Latinas throughout Nebraska. Um, congratulations on finishing up the semester here soon. And then hopefully next year we're having a big party big party for Catherine for graduation yes. and future things to come. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me um, and good luck with the rest of um, your journey on this podcast. I wish nothing but the best for you. Thank you. Courageous Mujer podcast is brought to you by United by Culture in Lexington, Nebraska. United by Culture celebrates our differences and lives by the saying, many nations, one family. Feel free to follow United by Culture on Instagram e Facebook. 
Again, you can find Courageous Mujer Podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Anchor. Feel free to catch the full episode on YouTube. While you're there, do not forget to like, subscribe, and comment. I'm your host, Gladys Codines, y hasta la próxima.